Turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. Oh, you picked the right Sunday, this Sunday. Whatever you need, he's the answer. Not he brings the answer, he's it. He's it. Matthew 25, beginning with verse 1. If Jesus tarries long enough, we're going to conclude this series on Before the Wrath, the Rapture of the Church. Today I want to talk to you about preparations and preparedness. I trust that the last two weeks have been beneficial for you and encouraging and inspirational. Amen. Matthew 25, if you're taking notes, just highlight the first word, then. Then shall the kingdom of heaven. He was talking to the Jews in that day, but he was talking about later. Then the kingdom of heaven will be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. So the journey to the wedding, they ran out of oil. Now very quickly, let me tell you, when you're dealing with types and shadows in the Bible, they're not perfect types. The message is perfect, but the type is limited. Like when Jesus says, I am the door. Well, he's not a door, but he's a door. You see, we are the bride but also there's a part of this parable that applies to us as one of the virgins going to the wedding. As the bride, we're in the wedding, but as the virgin, they're going to a wedding of someone else. The message is not getting yourself in one character alone. It's to glean the message from the parable. So the bride, the message of the bride is he's coming for us. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You're my bride. Get the message and I'm going to receive you unto myself. It's where you are, where I am, I want you to be. But also there's a preparation. So when the sound goes off to be ready, because an hour that you think not, the son of man cometh. The foolish took their lamps, verse three, and took no oil with them. The Holy Spirit, that's what gives them life and light. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps and the bridegroom tarried. That's where we are today. Still waiting. We're waiting. And they all slumbered and slept, wise and foolish. Many nights come and go. But at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Let me pause right there. It doesn't matter how tall you make the wick. If you turn the dial and you have more wick or less wick, if there is no oil, it will not burn. The oil is representative of the Spirit of God. Your life and light is, is supposed to flow from His Spirit, not from your will or efforts. So it doesn't matter how you trim your lamp, if there's no oil, it doesn't light. The foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. And afterward, the virgins came unto him, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered, I don't know who you are. Watch therefore, for you do not know the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And the blessing of God is on the reading of his word. And right before you're seated, we do not know the day nor the hour. True. But another verse with equal validity said, 
But you are not children of the night so that that day would take you unawares. We know it's coming. We know it's around the corner. Are we prepared? I'm not asking you what you believe, like uh, mentally ascend to the idea, yeah, Jesus is coming back. Are you prepared? Is your wick trimmed and your lamp full of oil? Father, I just humble myself before you this morning. I'm just glad to be in the number. Glad that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I, I want to pray for us, O oh Lord, today as I pray for myself. That first of all, that you would anoint me to preach this word with clarity and simplicity and with an unction from heaven. And, O oh Lord, that you would account us worthy to escape the great and terrible day of your wrath. I'm looking heavenward. I'm watching out to the side of me. I'm watching all that's going on in the Middle East and Syria and China and in Israel. But my eyes are fixed, O oh Lord. My hope is fixed in heaven from whence also I look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Anoint today, Lord, seal it in our heart. May we leave today not saying I believe that Jesus is coming, but I'm ready for his return. In Jesus' name, amen. In the last two weeks, I spoke to you about the promise of his coming. The promise to bring us unto himself, to deliver us from this body of death and to change us. This, Im- this mortality must put on immortality and this corruption must put on incorruption. I talked to you about who's going, those who are in Christ, those whose life is sustained by the Holy Spirit, not religious uh, exercise, but an outworking of the supernatural deposit of God that only he can do, that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of our lives is not effortly, not produced by effort but produced by divine sap that flows through us. That our patience is not because we decided to be patient and we looked in the mirror today and said, I'm going to be patient. But our patience is a result of the Spirit of God flowing through us. We talked about the people of the rapture are those who are exclusively His, not Jesus and something else, not Jesus and Christ's chapel, not Jesus and the assemblies of God. Your connection... Your union, your devotion, and your loyalty is to one person, Jesus Christ the Lord. This morning, I want to talk to you just a few moments on the preparation. The preparation. We watched the video and we saw the, 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 the bride-to-be as her dress was ready and her, 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 her bridesmaids were ready. And there was an expectation each night that the Lord could come. And there, there is that. A Christian, I, I don't know how to uh, fix this in my mind for someone can name the name of Christ and not long for him to come for them. Not long to be in heaven. That's kind of like the man saying, yeah, I'm married, but I don't really care about going home. You know, he works out of town. You going home this weekend? Not really. I mean, if I have to, you know, if it works out, Whatever you know there's an issue there. But longing for his appearing, as important as it is, is not the same as preparation. Y'all don't stare at me today. I got, if you just give me a little bit of support, I'll preach a fit up in this place today. I'm, I'm ready to go. Let me, let me tell you the difference between longing and preparation. 
I got grandma here, my mama, little nanny here, Kelly. Thanksgiving's coming. And I'm longing for that meal. Now, I ain't doing anything to prepare for it, but I'm longing for it. I can articulate to you what time we're going to start. I can tell you what the table's going to look like. I know what's going to be on the table. I know who's going to be at the table. My doctrine is correct, but my preparation is zero. You know how I keep prepared? I just keep reminding them what to fix. I'm not asking you this morning, do you believe? Christian, I'm talking to you. Are you prepared? Are you exclusively his, longing for and packed and ready to go at his appearing? If he can't, regardless of your theological disposition, if he came for you today, would you have to tighten up a few things before you go? Packed, ready to go. This preparation for the Lord's return is going to be rare. The Bible says when Christ comes, will, will he even find faith in the earth? It speaks of people being left, people that call him Lord, Lord. And he said, I don't even know who you are. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and done many mighty wonderful works? He said, I don't know who you are. How many of your unsaved friends go around saying, about Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my Lord. And I try my best to do many mighty wonderful works in his name. And I'm casting out devils and I'm preaching and teaching and I give to missions. None of my unsaved friends said that. That's church people. That's church people. And he said, we've done these wonderful names and wonderful works in your name. And uh, he said, "I, I don't know who you are. Preparation, the longing produces the preparation. And the preparation is the evidence of faith. Faith without works is, if I say I believe in Jesus, I ought to treat him like he's Jesus. If I believe he's Lord, I ought to treat him like he's Lord. If I believe he's Savior, I shouldn't worry about my salvation. You see, there's a works that follows, follows this. This preparation reprioritizes everything. I know you believe in his promise, not suggestion. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm coming again to get you because I want to bring you where I am so that where I am, you can be also. This promise reprioritizes everything, knowing that he keeps his word. And I know you've heard me say this several times before, but that was the first thing I taught my little girls. The first thing. Is that daddy always keeps his word. It's the first thing. Daddy keeps his word. If I tell you, I'm going to do it. Daddy keeps, because I want them to have that idea when I tell them about the father. He always keeps his word. So if he's coming back for me and I believe that, that means I got to reprioritize everything. The world and our own carnality, our, our flesh, not the evil sense, but just our flesh, chooses things based on today. But the one that knows Jesus is coming reprioritizes and chooses for things later. They throw up for themselves. They lay up for themselves treasures in heaven instead of here. They, they reprioritize. Let me give you some examples. We, we choose eternal issues over temporal. Cause over comfort. Purpose over pleasure. 
I just glanced at my buddy Reginald. This is just one example. Reggie, I hope it's okay to say this. How many years now since you really surrendered your life to the Lord? Three and a half years, okay. How many worship teams are you playing on? Four. 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 So anybody to have you, really, right? I mean, he's, he's a talented, talented musician. Okay. But I see on Facebook, you're doing Celebrate Recovery, and you're over at this church, and now I see somebody else. You know, you have a Baptist church over in Reggie's up there, and you got a Pentecostal church, and then the Pentecostal church, Reggie. See, in Baptist church, you can only dip about that far. But in the other one, but Reggie just, just playing, just, just working, just working, no matter how much you love to play bass. It is, you, you can't lose sight of the fact that works look a lot like work. Why, why, why so much, man? What, why, why the, you ain't got nothing else to do but worship the Lord? You see what I'm getting at? It reprioritizes people like he and I, and I know I can speak for him. I wasted all those years. I want to give him something when he comes. I want to say I took my Friday nights, and when everybody else did their Friday night, I was worshiping you with the addicts that are coming to know you. And Lord, I wanted to worship you in the church. And I'm get, it reprioritizes to where God and his people and work for him is first. First. See, we think he's coming just to get us. No, Revelation twenty two twelve. if you're taking notes. He said, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give you according to your works. So see, this reprioritizes. False religion says, come to know Jesus and let me tell you everything he can do for you. If you read the scripture, God knocked, here's the perfect type. God knocks Saul off the donkey, blinds him from heaven, blinds him. He can't see anything. And Jesus begins to dialogue with him in the Hebrew tongue. And you know why he talked to him in the Hebrew tongue? Because Saul was a Hebrew. God knows how to speak your language. He says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus who you persecute. He said, what would you have me do? That's how I know that you've encountered the Lord. Not for salvation's sake, but if you've elected me and chosen me, what can I do for you? Not to earn salvation, but to earn reward. I want to be acknowledged by him. This is not self-centeredness. My little boy, when I brag on him or tell him how good he's doing, he just lights up the way it's supposed to be. I want him to say in that day, John Wood, you were good. Reginald, you, were, you, you wasted your life on me instead of spending it on yourself. That's reprioritizing. If I preached only when I felt inspired, I wouldn't preach a lot. How could you say that? Because if I only preached when I was inspired, I wouldn't preach a lot. Only the Lord knows my real motive. But in there is a desire to hear him say, you are good and you served me. And when he comes... The opportunity to earn reward is over. What you do, you got to do quickly. Let me bring it back down. To, you know, if you talk about heaven a lot, people just, they kind of zone out. Let me bring it to the natural realm. These people don't believe in retirement. The man that does not plan for his retirement will hate his retirement. 
Well, I'm just trusting the government to take care of me is what I'm going to do. You know. You'll have nothing and enjoy it. You, know. you don't prepare for your future. You will hate your future. Can't that be true in heaven as well? Do you know there are people in this room right now, you're uncomfortable and you can't wait to get out and just go watch TV and it's just, I, 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 I believe in rapture, whatever. No, if you believed, you'd work. Those that believe in the nearness of Jesus' return, not only are purifying themselves, the Bible said, even as he is pure, every man that hath this hope in him, purifieth himself even as he is pure. They work purpose over pleasure, cause over comfort, eternal over temporal. You can use this phrase, man, this will revolutionize your life. In light of eternity, blank. So I'm going to do something. Well, in light of eternity, that's a no-brainer. In light of eternity, you will not receive one reward for something you did not do. Work while it is day, because night cometh when no man can work. This preparation is serious. The preparer must be diligent, thorough, consistent, and current. Listen. Diligent, thorough, consistent, and current. You don't want me to cook Thanksgiving for you. You want Ganga and Little Nanny to cook because you asked me to go get something. If I sign up on the list, I'm going to Publix. What do you want me to bring? Bread. Gotcha. Mama makes fresh sourdough bread from scratch, you see? My mama makes a macaroni cheese. You put the wooden spoon in it and go, mm. She's the reason. She and my thyroid are the reason that I gave so much. <laughs> you can tell, listen, you can tell the importance of the occasion by the effort of the preparation. Birthday dinners, you can count on them. Thanksgiving, you can count on them. Christmas, you can count on them. Wednesday night before church, after you pick up the kids at four different schools. Well, you know, it's just whoever's got to buy one, get one free burger. It don't matter if the order's wrong. You're going to eat it. You're going to like it. Shut up. (laughs) But I'm allergic to eat it. I got an EpiPen. Eat it. You'll be fine. <laughs> I'm amazed at the kids now that can tell the yeah, parent cooking four and five different dinners. I'm like, what planet are we on? I, and I, 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 if that offends you, I just wonder how I was raised. You go, Mama, I don't like that. Your brother take his fork, choop, and he'd eat your food. I do like it. I will eat it. I do like it. That's all there was. All right, back to the sermon. This preparation cannot be done by anyone else. They turn to someone else. Help me. If you don't hear anything else that I say this morning, there are people in this room, you, have to, you, you, you go to people first. And listen, I'm glad I got Jake and Carla as encouragers. I'm glad. I'm glad the love they give me. And you've got prayer people that pray for you. But you don't go to them first. You don't go to them first. Your source is supposed to be Christ. This, you can't go from someone else to get oil. I, I got to know his voice for myself. I got to know the scriptures for myself. They said, give us your oil. Now in the parable, they said, oh, we can't give it to you because then we, won't, we wouldn't have enough, which means they can't help you. Listen to this phrase. 
Others cannot do it for you and God will not do it for you. I can't prepare you at all. I can uh, exhort you and provoke you to good works. Now I'm going to make myself kind of vulnerable. I'm old enough. And you know, the older you get, you just kind of, if it makes people mad, you know, hey. Y'all grown. I can't make you do anything. You, don't, you can't make grown folk do nothing. And the older they get, not only are they entrenched in their stubbornness, they just tell you the truth. Yes, they don't care. Mama, does this make my butt look big? Yes, yes, you look like a house and I don't know what's going on. Yes, they'll tell you. Yes. Do you understand that you can hear preaching every day and until you decide to work for the Lord, work for the Lord, not to be saved, but because you're saved, working from the gift that he's gave you, what will your works look like in comparison to his sacrifice? I want to give him something. I want to have something for him. And to be ready, no one can do that for you. You got to get oil in your lamp. You have to trim your lamp. You have to set your body clock. You have to get up. This preparation is costly. Those that prepare for the return of the Lord, it, it is costly to live prepared. Listen to me. Time, the cost of your time, the cost of pleasure, the cost of leisure, the cost socially, economically and relationally to give people resources that you could spend on yourself. I had someone this week and uh, up until this year, I don't know that I've ever done it one time in my life, but I feel prompted to just on Facebook, give opportunity when the church does things, would someone like to give with someone? And uh, I'm going to be with Christ Chapel, Maine here coming up. And, um, you know, our church can write a check, but I just, hey, anybody in our church family that has any sky miles or anything, I had four people say, hey, we'll send y'all. We'll send you. That ain't Pastor John getting something. Saved the church almost $900. Now, that's, that's just a small example. But listen, listen to this verse. As often as you have opportunity, do good to Everyone, especially those in the household of faith. Well, Mark, as often as of opportunity, that's like all the time. Like, John, you're quick. There you go. When the Lord gave me that verse years ago, it says, as often you have opportunity, do good to everybody, especially those in the household of faith. Out loud, I was praying. I said, Lord, that's all the time. That's what I love about you. You're just fast like that. You're just smart. I have opportunity. I have opportunity. I have opportunity. But here's the reality. Ministry costs, and I'm not talking about just preaching. Anything you do for the Lord diminishes you. If I give you $1,000 to help, I have $1,000 less. If I give you my time, I have that much time less. Same with you. Those that serve on our tech team, those that serve, those that serve ev- everywhere in the, in, in, uh, the meal train and those that serve on mission. The, you, you have to understand you can't work without diminishing yourself. That's where the reward comes in, but it's costly. 
To live prepared is going to cost you relationally. It's going to cost you economically. It's going to cost you in many different ways. But you pay the cost knowing that it's worth the ticket. It's worth being ready for. This preparation fuels our sanctification, our consecration, and our intimacy. It said, every man that hath this hope, the blessed hope of Jesus coming, purifies himself, even as Christ is pure, making sure that there is nothing in his mind, nothing on his lips, nothing on his calendar, nothing on his television, nothing on his computer that would hinder him or or, or allow him to be ashamed at the coming of the Lord. Repentance is common among the prepared. You need to write that down. Repentance is common among the prepared. John, what do you do? I, I repent a lot. Well, by now you ought to be, well, I, I can't get into that because that just buries me. I've done repented of this. Well, I repent again. If you see it, you humble yourself and repent. If you look at the scriptures, David was a lot more of a near moral man than Saul ever was. If you look at the scriptures, What's the difference? David repented. David knew how to repent. And the prepared repent. It fuels our sanctification, our consecration, our intimacy. Preparation cannot be hidden. There's no way to hide it. Again, back to Thanksgiving because it's near and dear to our heart. Uh, I, I, walk, I can walk in near Grandma's house and the whole place just you know like Burger King has that big fan they blow that smoke out everywhere and you smell I just close my eyes a big boy like me just goes dressing mm, dressing turkey spiral ham with a little bit of glaze on it. you can pick it up some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about others know it's a gift we have you can pick it up you're aware you're aware of them yams with a crust on the top with little nuts too. I can smell all, I can taste it right now. I'm on this diet, man. They say, oh, after the third day, you won't be hungry. Oh no, I'm hallucinating. I'm not hungry. I see dead relatives in the morning. I'm starving. Anyway, where was I? Back to, hold on. It can't be hidden. It, it, it's like an aroma that comes from your life and everyone knows those that are preparing for heaven by how they live. You've heard me use this illustration before. You ever gone to Waffle House dressed for a wedding and you know they might have the little cucumbers on a, on a toothpick or something and you're going to stop and get something and you walk in and <laughs> Billy Bob and them is at a table. You know, that's the smallest booth in the world and you put four people at it. You're just intimate. You know, uh, there's four or five people there, big truckers and they're all in there eating, you know, the, the splattered covered, smothered, squished, all that together. It is eating, it's eating, it's eating. And you walk in and they go. And they, everybody just stops. If you've bathed and shave and have a full set of teeth, they're going to stop and just watch you. They watch you walk in. And you know what we do? We're so self-aware. You go, I'm going to a wedding. I'm going. Why do you tell Bubba where you're going? Well, I, I just didn't want to. I'm going to a wedding. Y'all, we're going to a wedding. You don't have to tell them. They know that although you're eating there, you're going somewhere else. You see? They ought to know. You don't need to tell them. 
your preparation, your lifestyle, your priorities, your direction, your speed of travel, your choices, the things you don't do, the things that you do. Watch, I'm going to a wedding. The marriage supper of the Lamb. You can't hide it. My preparedness can't be hidden and the world's unpreparedness can't be hidden as well. The payoff of this preparation will be glorious, unspeakable, unspeakable, all we ever dreamt of, and eternal. The payoff, once the trump goes off and we're gone, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Today, in this season of my life, that's my favorite verse. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. From that moment on, the payoff of preparedness like flying standby and you got to get home because your baby's going to be born and you're in the hospital and they go, John, what? Yes! Before the name's even called, you're like, yes, yes, yes. We have one seat left. You're like, yes. That's what it's going to be like when the trump goes off. And the payoff is going to be unspeakable. You, 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 we're going to have to have glorified bodies to take it in the glory of that moment, the payoff. I just, all oh, this is ridiculous. It's, yeah, until you see what I'm buying. I didn't buy my salvation, but I'm purchasing where I will sit. You don't believe me? Oh, I don't like the way that sounds. He said, they will be called great in the kingdom and they'll be called least in the kingdom. I don't want to be called least in the kingdom. Great, not in the sense like we say great means you're better than other people. No, it means recognized by the Lord. You, d- you did this for me? Reginald, you did this for me? Four or five nights a week. Reginald, you did this for me? I love you. You see? I want us to be prepared. I am provoking you to good works. Some of y'all are get, I didn't like today. Well, I provoked you. All right, very quickly before we close. The preciousness of the rapture. The idea of the blessed hope. Regardless of what you've been taught, it's not a new theory that came out by, Char- by Darby. It's not the rantings of a demon-possessed woman that had a vision. No, Paul believed it. Paul taught it. <laughs> he wrote most of the New Testament. Jesus taught it. It's precious to us. It's the blessed hope. It's precious because it is the divine, instantaneous transformation and transport from this world to the next. Tommy, if you'd come, please, or Brooke, either one of our musicians here. It's precious because it's his promise. If the Lord speaks to us in a tongue that we know, his coming for me will be like this. Hey, John, I always keep my word. In a way that I'll understand. John, told you. Told you I wouldn't leave you. Come here, I want to show you a place I got. John, I told you I was preparing a place for you. I always keep my word. I always keep. It's precious to me because it's the, it's the final fulfillment of my earthly journey. I'm changed in a moment. And I'm divinely transported from this world to the next by the power of his kept word. It's precious because it's personal. 
It's my personal hope. My personal anticipation. My personal joy. My personal priority. My personal choice. Personal. He's coming from me. He's coming for me. He's coming for me. That changes all the rules of this life. It's precious because it's accurate. Ain't nobody that don't want to go going. That's not good grammar, but it's great theology. It's accurate. The foundation of the Lord standeth sure that the Lord knows who are his. He goes, that one? Let me give you an example. And mama, I was thinking about the compliment you gave me the other day. This is an example. You ever seen a battery-powered car? My little boy's got them. I know where the batteries go. That's about it. I don't have a Phillips head to change it, but I know where the batteries go. And if you were to line up 10 cars and you had one remote, they all look identical. And you put batteries in that thing and turned it on. Nine of them would sit there dead as a hammer. And one of them would just take off. What? Because something in that hood has been wired to connect to this remote. That's what the trump of God is going to do. You've been wired to heaven's frequency. And when heaven's shofar blows, you're going to you're going to be you're not going to think about changing. You're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye at the sound of the last trump. That's precious to me that it's my personal translation transformation and escort into the very presence of God the presence of God he's got a remote and I'm the car I'm I'm ready man let's do this it's precious because it's the it should be oh I don't I don't have time to expound it but I mean I'm challenging you to do it's supposed to be the topic of conversation of believers Hardly anybody talks about it. That's what I'm trying. I'm trying to. That's comfort one another with these words. The Lord is near. The Lord is coming. It's precious when we talk to those of like faith. Say, girl, I'm ready to go today. You, t- oh man, tell me. I had a dream about it. We comfort and encourage one another. It's precious because of who will be there at the great reunion. Husbands, I think of you all the time. Husbands of years and years, wives, parents, grandparents, the great cloud of witnesses, they go first. I don't know how much lag time there's going to be, but I hope I get to see them. I I know that's silly, but what, what if I get to see my daddy catch eye contact and then go right by? I don't know. But the great reunion... Listen to me. Listen to your pastor. It is scheduled. It's on the books. And it's not erasable. And so shall we. Who's we? Mom and them. Brother. Baby you didn't get to hold. Grandparents. We're going to get to sit to talk. I'm going to get to sit down over the years and talk with John the Revelator. John the Baptist. Stephen, Daniel, talk to him, and all the people that have gone before. 
great men and women of God, the reunion. Heaven is going to be one long, eternal hello. Hey, my name is. And then you spend a couple years getting to know him. And then you spend a couple of years. It's scheduled. We, we should be thrilled. It should be on every bathroom mirror. Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus. Should be a soothing balm for the saints today and healing of every earthly sorrow tomorrow. The promise of the rapture should be a healing balm for us today and an anticipation of the removal of every earthly sorrow. When we get to heaven, you remember that hymn, we'll ask the reasons, he'll tell us why. He ain't gonna ask nothing. You gonna be so happy to be there? The resurrection answers everything. Every sorrow, every pain will be washed away. And lastly, it's precious because he will be there. It's his rapture. We're going to look at him and we're going to know him. I know you. I knew you before you were born. I knit you together in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I knew you. You didn't know me, but I knew you. I I did this. This That's what I planned on all along. And I, I want us to be ready. I want us to be ready. I want us to be ready. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Just where you're seated. Pastor John, if the trump of God went off this morning, I'm not ready for his return. I'm not. But I just want to, I want you to know, I, I, I want to raise my hand, not for your approval, but so someone will know besides myself that I'm going to make things right with God today. I'm going to spend some time with him. I've got some repenting to do. I've got a closet to clean out. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up. Put it back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, this one's going to be tough. Well, no, it's difficult, but it's easy. Pastor John, I've just been lazy. My Christianity is more about what I don't do than what I actually do for Jesus Christ. And I'm going to put on overalls and I'm going to start looking for ways for the Lord to use me I want to work for Jesus. Not for Christ Chapel, not for this church, but for Jesus. I want to be prepared. I want to make preparations. If that's you, just hold your hand up. All over this room, God sees you. I'm going to work, Lord. I'm going to work. I'm going to do more. 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 Would y'all stand with us? I asked uh, Brian to have a a, a song cued here today. Do you have that for us, buddy? Okay. Thank you, Tommy. And then we'll take communion uh, and be dismissed. How I long to breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone and mercy fills the street Look upon 
the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity. There will be a day when all will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with he who died and rose again. Holy, holy is the
Amen. We're going to take our communion right now, and if you have your cup, go ahead and get it out. Um, sorry for these cups. I know they're a little difficult sometimes. There is a top plastic film that goes off and then the purple-pink film. So we do the bread first and then the juice. If you haven't done this before or if you have, let you know. Um, so go ahead and, if you will, take the, the bread out. Take that and hold it up. If you're not a believer, um, I encourage you not to do this today. Um, because what this, this is special to us as believers. We saw this morning with the baptism that there's nothing sacred and special as mystical that happens there. This is just a demonstration. But Jesus commanded us to remember his sacrifice. And so that's what we do today. And if you haven't received a sacrifice, you can't remember it. So I encourage you not to do this. But his body was broken. It wasn't just anybody. This was a body that was spotless. This was a life that was without sin. This was a life that was lived and given for you. That came not fall into temptation, but righteous and holy. And today we don't take a crouton, we don't take a loaf of bread from the Olive Garden. This is a thin wafer, there's no leaven in here. Because there was no sin in Christ. And it was his body that was broken for you. And so today we recognize that his perfect sacrifice is what makes this possible. It's because you came and you lived and you died. You were the spotless lamb that was chosen before the foundations of the earth. That you were approved of God. That you were recognized by men as being worthy. And as the disciples stood on top of that mountain with, when God's glory cloud came down and said, this is my son who am I am well pleased. Listen to him. So we listen to you today, Jesus. And we look at your body that was broken. It was bruised. The one that fulfilled the prophecies that Scripture spoke of that would be this way. And we thank you for it. And today we remember your sacrifice, Lord Jesus. Will you take the bread? Bible tells us that in like manner after the bread that Jesus took the cup, the cup of the new covenant that was poured out for you and for me. This covenant signifies his blood, his blood that covers our sins, that washes them away, that sets us anew in his covenant today, that we get to drink today to signify, yes, I receive this covenant. Yes, I receive your blessings. Jesus, thank you that you would look at the cross with joy. You would look at it. You would see the shame that was put upon your shoulders and you would bear it. And you prayed to not let, to let the cup pass, but then you said, not your will, but the Lord's will be done. And you were crushed so that we could live. You were pierced so that we could be made whole. You were poured out so that we could be built up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We receive your covenant today. Will you take the bread?
You know, the beauty of this is not what we just did. The beauty is the one that's to come. Amen? Because <laughs> he said he would not do this again until the day when we meet him face to face and we do it together in heaven. Amen? Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Even so. Father, thank you for your word. Would you let us go rich today in your knowledge? Would you let us go deeper in your affections? Would you stir that longing in us, Lord, that it's not just something we've read about, something we learn about in school, but it's something that stirs our affections today and tomorrow and the next day as we wait for your coming, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come, we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll remind you, if you have been, um, are on our meal train team, to meet us up in the grill. Um, we're going to be there tonight again for, at 6 o'clock for our study. And um, see you this Wednesday.